I would be glad if they sang that again. Isn't that a beautiful song? And a beautiful thought in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And we are here because of that. We are here to worship. We are here to declare the goodness of the Lord. And I am so glad that I'm here with you folks. It's a blessing to be at King's Grand Baptist Church. I have been here, gosh, it seems like two or three years now. <laughs> now, you could take that wrongly. You could think, boy, he's tired of us. Not at all. Uh, it has just been a very blessed time to spend a good portion of these last three months with you folks. Now, I will not be here for the next three weeks, according to the Pastor Search Committee. I will be back on September the 4th, and I want to assure you that I will miss you and I will pray for you. I pray regularly for this church because God has asked you to be here and God has asked me to be here and God has asked Brother Jay to be here. And so it's a blessing to know that God is working right here among this fellowship. And so please pray and be faithful, and I know that you will. And I will look forward to seeing you all again on September 4th. I think it's the 4th. It's the first Sunday in September anyway. So this morning, as Scott said, we're having Easter in August. We sort of had part of Easter in July. And it has been a joy to talk to you about the basic thing in our Christian faith, and that is Jesus Christ and the cross. And without that, we need not be here. In fact, without that, we would not be here. And today, we're going to move toward, now listen carefully to my words, because this is going to be a little bit more unusual. We're going to move toward resurrection morning but we're not there yet because I'm going to ask you to do something that I've attempted to do several times in the past and it has been successful and it has been meaningful and so I'm going to ask you to live in your minds and in your prayers and your imagination under God's leadership I'm going to ask you to live with and to walk with the men and the women that were part of Jesus' fellowship. Do you realize, have you ever sat down and just pondered what those men and women went through from Friday afternoon until Sunday morning? Now, that's where we're going to go for a little while today. But we're going to end up with a glorious celebration. But it has always intrigued me. I guess it's part of the counselor in me. But it's always intrigued me at what these folks must have gone through during those horrible hours. They saw some of them and they knew of the brutality that their Lord and Master had suffered. Now he was dead. 
and the grief and the desperation and the fears and the anger and the guilt and all that goes with that kind of an experience. Now, some of you have lost close loved ones. Spouses, moms and dads, children maybe. Some of you, and all of us in some form or fashion, know about grief. But I've spent a lot of time with grief and grieving people and helping them. And I want you to know, if you don't know, that it's one of the most horrific kind of experiences that you can have, is to realize that someone is dead. And that's what these men and women were doing. Now, a little bit later in my sharing, we're going to, not now, but we're going to see and listen to a powerful song. And it is a song of celebration. The first part of the song, I'm going to share some phrases from the first part of the song because it illustrates this grief of which I speak. The song says, they all walked away, nothing to say. They had just lost their dearest friend. Now he was dead. And all the words that he said had gone away. So this is the way it would end. Do you hear the desperation? The dreams that they dreamed were not what they seem. The garden, the jail, the hammer, and the nail. How could these nights be so long? The angels, the star, the kings from afar, the wedding, the water, the wine. Now it was done. They had taken her son, wasted before his time. Jesus Christ was dead. And these people were desperate. Now I want you to think. Now remember I said I would like for you to walk with them. Now we cannot in any form or fashion accomplish that totally. But in your thoughts and in your prayers and in your uh, realizations that these men and women, our, our Christian brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago, walked through this horrible experience. And it wasn't just momentary, it was hours, hours, hours. And the depression and the grief was immense. Now I want you to think about it. In fact, one time in my past, I led a big organization down in the beachfront. We had a staff of about 20 people. And at least one time during the Easter season, I asked those 20 people, to take on the part of the disciples and the followers of Jesus from Thursday night through Sunday morning. We completely lived during those hours. It was an amazing experience, a horrible experience, 
a gut-wrenching experience. But we were able to identify from the time of the Lord's Supper on Thursday night through all of the agony of Gethsemane and the trial, Jesus being beaten, taken to Calvary like we talked about last week. We lived that. And then the death and the silence after all. And, the, and here's the key. The guilt and the fear and even some anger and the depression of grief. Do you understand that these folks, human they, though they were, certainly, but even more than that, they had lived with Jesus Christ himself 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for the last three, three and a half years, and now their master and teacher was gone. Now, I want to explain something about the grief for just a little bit. There are certain phases of grief that you and I go through. And I see it in what I realize that the disciples, the followers, the men and the women went through with Jesus' death. And I want you to think about it as we're seeking to identify with them. I know that there was guilt. Now I want you to think about this. This is a group of people that were struggling just like you and I do. They had doubts. They had question marks. They wanted certain things in their life spiritually and family-wise and relationally. And sometimes they wanted their way instead of Jesus' way. Now, have you ever done that? Of course you have. Of course you have, and I have. And now he was gone. And they remember and they think about the times that they spent together. And they feel guilty. They feel guilty that they didn't listen to him more. Maybe a lesson for you and me. They feel guilty that they turned and walked away, some of them. What about Peter? Peter was the main man, Jesus' right-hand man. And what did Peter do? He denied him three times, even after going to sleep three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. And James and John, they took a nap also there. And the guilt... Their hearts and their minds were racked with the guilt of they let Jesus down. Now you and I let him down. And that should, I pray it does in me and in you, that should cause us guilt. A very legitimate guilt where we need not let him down because he did not let, let us down. But these disciples, they let him down, and the guilt was racking them in this time of grief. Now, they were angry. Anger is a part of grief. That doesn't seem correct because we should be compassionate. They should have been compassionate toward Jesus going through all that he had gone through. Why would they be angry at him? 
They wanted him to come down off of that cross and to annihilate all those enemies and to set up the kingdom right then. Impatient? Oh, you betcha. And they knew that he could do it. They knew. I mean, just a couple of weeks before this, Jesus stood at another tomb in Bethany and walked up to the cave and rolled the stone away and said, Lazarus, come forth. His brother and friend Lazarus had been dead four days. And what happened to Lazarus? He came out resurrected and alive. And the disciples witnessed that. And so they knew that Jesus could do that. And so they didn't understand. Now their anger was misplaced. He loved them. They loved him. But we humans get all mixed up and confused with stuff like that. You do. I do. And so these disciples were angry in their grief. And they were angry at the brutality of it all as I am. I told you, I have trouble thinking about that. I had trouble watching that movie that I watched a couple of weeks ago. I did not want my Jesus to go through the misery and the horror of what he went through in the suffering and then the sacrifice of the cross. And I'm just way out here in comfort and convenience. I'm not living there in the midst of all of that threat. Because in their grief, they were also terrified. Can you imagine? What had they just seen or known about that Jesus went through at the hands of the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaderships and then the brutality of the Roman soldiers? Now remember, this is Friday night and Saturday all day long and Saturday night. I can well imagine that every time that they heard footsteps or somebody outside the door or somebody, maybe a group of people walking down the street, what did they think? They were so terrified that those Roman soldiers were coming to get them. Yes, obviously. Have you ever thought about these things? I have. And I think we need to think about it because they were afraid. I mean, a fear deep inside of them that they were going to go through the same thing that they knew and had seen their Jesus going through. Now, the guilt and the anger and the fear, what was the end result? They were depressed. Now, speaking from what I know, they were not mentally ill. There is a mental illness of depression. Clinical depression is something that I and others like me deal with. But there's also something called situational depression. We all go through certain levels of situational depression. And this that we're describing with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross I think is the most horrible situation that man's history has ever known. And these folks that we're talking about and seeking to identify with, 
They lived through it. They were in the midst of it. It's Friday night. It's Saturday morning. It's Saturday night. And they are racked with depression. The words from some of that song that we're going to listen to in a little while. They all walked away. Nothing to say. Now they had lost their dearest friend. Does that sound like depression? The isolation, the quietness, the sadness. And right now I'm asking you and me to experience some of the depression that our brothers and sisters went through 2,000 years ago. No, we can't do it fully, but please put your mind and your spirit and your heart there because this was what they were going through prior to resurrection morning. Sunday morning is coming, but there's still grief and heartache going on. Now, the disciples were right in the middle of this. But so were the women, women of his following. And you beautiful women, and I mean that with every appropriate factor, the emotions, the care, the love that you right here in this room give to others, to me, to others, to your families, to your children. I love the emotion that God has put in the beautiful women of our world, of our kingdom, of his kingdom. And these people, the Marys, Mother Mary, Mary, the wife of Clophus, Mary Magdalene, other women that were followers of Jesus, you think they were easygoing right now? They were racked with tears and pain because they had lost their master. And I want to read something here in a moment. It's an excerpt from a writing by a man by the name of Gene Edwards. Gene Edwards is a pastor, a author, a Christian storyteller. He takes scripture and prayerfully expands it and puts some imagination appropriately into it. And this is a, a, a writing that he has done about Mary. We read scripture a moment ago about Mary at the tomb. She awoke with a shock. It was that dream again. Dawn will soon be here, she thought. Then I can cease this pretense of sleep. Over and over again in her dreams, she watched him crucified. She was weary and desperate for sleep, but always that same dream, Golgotha. She dropped her head and began once more to pour out many tears from already swollen eyes and wondered how long until the appointed dawn. She lay back down and for a moment drifted off to sleep, only to wake with a cry. It was that dream again. She would wait no longer. She would go now to the tomb while it was still night. The others would know to meet her there. At his grave, she might find solace and perhaps even sleep. 
She slipped out of her bed and reached for the basket filled with jars and vases that she had so carefully prepared the evening before. A few moments later, the young girl stepped out into the dark of Jerusalem's streets, carrying with her the precious aloes, oil, spices, and ointments that she would use in preparing her Lord for proper burial. She shuddered to recall that men had callously placed his body into the earth so hastily. The watchman hesitated only for a moment before opening the gate to allow the young girl to depart the city. She paused in the darkness. Her eyes to penetrate the night for only a few feet. The hill is in that direction, she said to herself, as is Joseph's house, and beyond that, the garden. I worshipped him. I loved him when he lived, she thought. He is dead now, but alive or dead, it makes no difference, for he is my Lord. Down the road she went, then across a meadow to a narrow pathway. Leaving that, she mounted a steep grassy hill. Suddenly, the earth beneath her feet quivered, jolted, and then shook with a violence. The very planet seemed to be shuddering in the presence of some catastrophic power. The young girl was flung to the ground. Her basket and its contents were scattered everywhere. She buried her fingers into the grass and held on with all of her might. A deep tremble seemed to be coming from the very bowels of the earth, increasing in force as it neared the surface. Bursting forth at last, the tremor twisted the earth savagely. Chimneys began to fall and roads cracked. The crust of the earth began to roll like the ocean wave. Then came a deafening crack, followed hard on by a burst of light. In the midst of this chaotic display of unbridled power, the first small gleam of the day made its appearance. Sunday morning was in the throes of birth. The frightened young girl raised her head, and all around her was evidence of the violent upheaval. Even the ground where she lay was rent open with fissures. Rising to her knees, she began to gather up the precious ointments that were scattered about. Fear, doubt, and wonder gripped her heart as she rose and began walking toward the garden. Her footsteps slowed, a strange and powerful foreboding descended on her. For a moment, she simply stood, sta staring transfixed at the garden entrance. Closing her eyes, she pushed open the door, and slowly she moved toward the tomb, dread in every step. There in the semi-darkness of the morning, she spied the open and very empty tomb. Oh, no, she cried. Oh, no, they have taken him. They have taken the body of my Lord. It is gone. It is gone. For a moment, the young girl could only stand in horror. Then she turned and began running, crying all the while, Peter, I must tell Peter. Surely I can find Peter. He hides. I know not where, but I will find him, and he will know what to do. And surely she did find Peter, hiding with another of the disciples. To them she reported her wild story. 
they would go and see this incredible thing. At the garden door, John broke into a run, and Peter ran after him. Arriving at the tomb's entrance, John stood there dazed. Peter pulled him aside and went in. A moment later, he staggered out, more insensible even than John. Please, please, I know the danger, Peter, she said, but you must go to the authorities. You must find out where they have taken our Lord. My life may be the forfeit, but I will find out, replied Peter soberly. The three turned from the tomb, their destination the authorities. But after a few steps, the young girl turned back. No, I will stay. Perhaps Joseph or one of the servants or perhaps, perhaps the keeper of the garden. Someone will return here. If I have news, I will come to you. If you have news, please send someone to me. The young girl returned to the tomb and she knelt at its entrance. And with tears filling her eyes, she stared inside. Through her tears, she saw two angels. They asked, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. Then turning away from the tomb, she saw a man. Thinking he was the gardener, she asked, Sir, if you have taken him, please tell me so I can get to him. Mary, Jesus said. Mary. And she said, Rabbi, as she fell to her knees, my master and my teacher. And with that, she reached for him, held him, and worshipped him. Up until now, she had loved him with her mind, soul, and heart. But now, she was loving him with all of her spirit, a spirit that was coming from the Lord himself. He said, little one, you must release your hold on me. I must ascend to my father. Now go to my brothers. Tell them I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. With this mixture of joy, excitement, and almost unbelief, Mary hurried off, hurried off to tell her brothers, I have seen the Lord. He is alive and Sunday morning resurrection morning is upon us and I want you to listen and watch on the screen this powerful song it's called then came the morning so if y'all would play that please then came the morning and death had lost and life had won. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. Yes, amen. Because without the resurrection of Jesus, you and I would not be here. And in fact, I must say this, because if I did not say this at this point, I would be amiss. Do you realize, do you think about the fact that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I that believe, that have our lives committed to him, do not have to die. Now, Jesus said that. Two very powerful places. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. What does that mean? Will not die, but will have what? Everlasting life. Because of this, because of resurrection morning, because Jesus Christ was resurrected, you, believers in him, committed him. Now, if there's anybody in this room that does not believe, please let us help you with that. Because this that I'm saying is true. And then Jesus also said it one more time to Martha as Lazarus had died. I mentioned him a little bit earlier. And she said, Jesus, if you'd only been here, then our brother would not have died. And he said, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know at the end of time he will rise. And Jesus said, no. What did he say? I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he or she dies, you will not die. <laughs> now, I'm a little closer than I've ever been before in my life. But I will not die. This body will be gone, yes. But I stand in joy and peace and security. Because of resurrection morning. And if you've missed it in your years past, don't miss it. And I trust that everybody in here is a believer in Jesus Christ. But sometimes we believers in Jesus Christ, we miss the heart of the matter. And this is the heart of the matter. He has given his life his body, his blood. We're going to come to the table here in just a minute. We're going to celebrate. We're going to remember the beautiful gift of his broken body and spilt blood. But all of that goes right here to resurrection morning. Because this is Jesus' sacrifice and gift to you and me. So please right now. I want you to prepare your mind, your heart, your spirit to remember him and to remember all this that we're talking about and to remember that then came the morning of celebration and resurrection. So just be silent. We're going to have communion in just a moment. But I want you to look at yourself and look at Jesus with absolute thanksgiving and commitment and celebration of resurrection morning. So just silent for right now. Now one more moment of quiet reflection. This is resurrection morning. We have celebrated and we have remembered and it is a blessing. So please take just a few seconds to think on that quietly. Lord Jesus, we celebrate you, we remember you, and we thank you. The suffering, the sacrifice, and now you and we and all of us together have wonderful 
amazing satisfaction and thanksgiving. Bless every person in this room with the reality of these facts and truths. Thank you, and we play, pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Happy Resurrection Morning. Go in peace.